Hello everyone, the doors of the bar are open. Today we review the Canon EOS R50 and we also talk about the Wales and West show brought to you by the Camera Centre UK. Hi Cam, how are you doing? You're right. Yeah, I'm really good, thank you, Mark. And before we start, um, I just wanted to say that if you enjoy the show, please make sure to support us by subscribing to our YouTube channel. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok, all of which will be linked in the show notes. Please also leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app, such as Spotify and Apple Podcast. And with that all said, let's get into it. Canon have very kindly, uh, they've, in fact, they sent us a couple of products for it. Yeah. Um, they sent us the uh, Canon EOS R50, which we're going to be looking at uh, at the start of the show today. And they also sent us uh, a rather cool Canon V10, which is a vlogging yeah. camera. Now, yes. the R50 was released about three months ago. Mm. The V10 has not been released. I think it's, we've, we've actually received. I think it's imminently, imminently being released. We've received it from Canon pre-release and we had a real play about with it. It's got, it's now mm. gone back to Canon and we had mm. a lot of fun with it. And mm. we're going to be, we're going to be looking at that uh, and doing that review and putting that out uh, in maybe uh, the next couple of episodes or something. But today yeah. it's the Canon EOS R50, which is actually branded as the second lightest mirrorless camera in the world. <laughs> Okay. The second lightest. The second lightest. And <laughs> and okay. you know, and so uh, here's just a few quick facts, main facts. I mean, there's there's obviously loads and uh, and but things that mainly photographers and videographers are going to find uh, interesting. Uh, it's a 24 yeah. megapixel sensor. Uh, it's an APS-C size, so it's not a full frame camera. It's APS-C. Okay. Uh, but don't yeah. let that put people off that, that do want to buy that 4k video at 30 frames a second and for those of you that don't really know about your video it does slow-mo at 120 frames per second in 1080 but um going back onto the photography the frames per second uh they, they, they are 50 will shoot 12 to 15 frames per sec per second in photo mode um mm. so i i guess really so there's some of the main stats that that people initially ask for and i'm going to break down some of those and, and include a few more in um during the review as we go on because i used i ha i had it a lot more than you did mark yes 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 okay so i really got my hands uh on it and i really had a good sort of uh work through with it now when i received it um opened it up surprise surprise that was the first thing it was white Okay, yes, the camera, <laughs> the camera body was white and grey. I didn't notice the grey at first, and my immediate reaction was, "Oh, it's white." Mm. Yeah, okay, yeah. I'm not I mean, keen. It shot me when I saw it actually. Mm. However, my wife really liked it, and I got together. Uh, I had a barbecue a few days ago, and um, I passed it round to a few people that were at the barbecue, and uh, just wanted to show them the actual product and uh, what their immediate reaction was. I didn't say anything on the way that it looked, and they all loved the fact that it was white. Um, and uh, uh, now you can buy. You can get the back. Well. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, but it just goes to show that you know we do we do buy things on appearance and looks and it, you know, my first impression was white. I wouldn't go for a white, but I quite liked it. Not going to lie. Other people. Exactly. I, I thought yeah, it was all right. Yeah. So the actual camera itself has been designed, I guess as a 
you know, it's that same word, isn't it? That content creator, you know, is yeah. the word photographer, is the word photographer actually being used less and less. It's content creator and content creators are all about photography and video. So it sort of encompasses both sort of specialisms. Um, so that's really who it's aimed at. And it aimed at really anyone that wants to shoot photos and video as well. As we said, it's a it's a second lightest mirrorless camera in the world. It is small. It's very, very compact. It's very, very light. They've really sort of tried to put everything sort of into that body. And, mm. and talking about the body design, starting off with that, you know, we always talk about ergonomics and how comfortable is it to hold. Um, and the first thing is we've sort of said it is very light. And that's the first thing I, you know, and mm. I'm used to holding bigger cameras. So when you suddenly yeah. grab something that's a lot smaller, you think, oh, and it it just didn't, it, it almost doesn't feel like it's going to be capable of doing what you want to do based yeah. on the size of it. But yeah. you sort of quickly get over that and then you start to realize, oh, I, I love this because it's really light and I'm not having to carry anything heavy around so much. Mm. You almost forget that you've actually got it. It's easy just to, you know, not realize you're actually sort of holding something or put it down. It's normally with a camera, say the R6 with the lens on it, you know that you're you know you've got around. it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So the way that it's actually designed is um, crammed full, I would say, as far as buttons and features are concerned. Um, it, it has one dial, which pretty much is there really to control everything. Um, I guess I found that a little bit awkward when I was using it because it means that that if you want to access certain features, you need to press a button and turn the dial at the same time. And, yeah. and if you're not used to that, you know, it can be a little bit tricky. And I know some people find that tricky. Um, you know, it, it, you know, it's got it at the front where the shutter button is, but it doesn't have one just at the back, mm. uh, you know, where your thumb would normally be, you know, yeah. and, uh, but I guess they're trying to make it compact. And then what I did was I figured out one of the, the reason why they, they've really done that again, because of trying to make it compact. It's really, I think the camera is designed for a lot of people that want to use things in auto and they've, They've got aperture priority. They've got shutter priority. They've got all those things, you know. Mm, but manuals also, on there. Exactly, yeah, for those people that want to use it. But they've got three other modes that I found were quite interesting. And, and, and I had to actually look them up because I, I found them. Because when I went into the menu system, all sorts of things were popping up on the back screen, and uh, which can be quite confusing. But they have three modes. One's called Creative Assist. You've got Creative Bracketing. And you've got something called Auto Plus. Mm. Now, Creative Assist, they're all quite cool little features because with Creative Assist, if I'm a photographer and I want to set my camera into Creative Assist and I don't want to think about the settings too much and I want to achieve a certain look, what Creative Assist does, it gives you a choice of different filters that it will put on your image when you shoot them. Okay, so you mm. can change the color, you can change the contrast, you can change the tone, press that, and every picture that you shoot will have that filter over uh, applied to mm. the image which is great mm. for some people that's called creative assist now creative bracketing um is quite good because when it when it takes the photo as we know with bracketing it would take different it would take the same photo but at different exposures slightly different so yeah. you have a choice yeah. but what this does it takes several different versions of the same image and it gives you several different versions so one has got the color change or the tone oh, brightness or the contrast or something so you take one picture and you've got several images to actually choose from 
again, which is sort of quite cool for those people that want to use it like that. And I mean, then it fills up your memory card, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, and it's <laughs> yeah got so all... that's something you need to watch for. That's right. Yeah. And then it's got auto plus and this takes several shots at the same time and it combines the photos and layers them up all together to giving you the perfect exposure. Um, a bit like a phone camera works because that's why, you know, images on the back of phones can look really good. So it's got these things. So I figured out that really the camera is very much there um for people that want to use the camera in auto mode now if you use it in auto mode then that single dial that i was saying doesn't really matter but if you want to start Ooh. going to aperture priority shutter priority manual that type of thing then it's it's a little bit clunky because you have yeah. to press a button and turn the dial so it does slow you down so you really have to know what you're actually doing um, i also uh, found that the focusing system a bit tricky as well uh just by the buttons i know we're talking about buttons here so just being able to change it using the buttons i found because it was so small mm. um and you've only got one wheel I, I also found that that was quite tricky as well yeah and again it's it's sort of you know as, as, as i said that you know when you're using a bigger camera you've got you know your hands can easily get around the buttons and, and buttons and r6 mm. even though those are quite small but they, they're tiny on this camera so you just it's something you have to get used to now you mentioned the focus which is what i was going to come on to next because it's got all the different focus modes that a lot of the cameras that i guess sony first introduced you know it's got yeah. eye autofocus but it's got great animal uh, eye focus as well but it's got this really cool feature that that people might want to use for video and i'm talking primarily about photography i want to touch on one or two video things and they've got this mode called product mode and it's really right. cool because a lot of a lot of content creators and vloggers they might be as we are we're we're reviewing a product okay and this is audio only it's not it's not a video uh, mm. recording but what it will do is if i if i was holding the camera up in my hand i can hold the camera if it was i was holding a product up say to to the camera i can hold a product up to the camera spin it around show it in my hands and everything and then when i move it away it immediately focuses back on my face but if i hold the product up it knows what the product is in product mode and it and it focuses on the product oh okay so without going into too useful. much detail Focusing is becoming so sort of uh, you know you know involved now on cameras that people are yeah. now looking at cameras. Oh, I want it because I have to have it because it's got eye focus, it's got animal focus, it's got bird eye focus, it's got product mode focus. So now a lot of people are becoming a lot more aware of focus. But the mm. good thing about this one, again, on the camera when you're in photo mode, if you just tap the back of the screen where you want to focus, it will focus and you're good to go. Um, and so I think that's that's a really good feature on there. Focus is quick um the images that i were getting were perfectly sharp uh on the lens that uh, that we had and so i've got no issues with it there for what it is for the size of the camera for the images that it, uh, it of the output of the images i think was really good so so yeah. no complaints there the lenses themselves um they do these stm lenses so you can't put a any canon lens on there they've got specific lenses that go with this particular camera um yeah when i had it in use um i found that it was it was it was okay in low light i i took it out on three different shoots so i was i took i did a very quick product shoot i went to an engineering factory to shoot a, a rotor Mm. <laughs> um, uh, for a company that we do some work for. And then I took it out to a construction site. So I used it in different situations. And particularly when I was on the construction site and shooting the rotor in this engineering factory, um, mm. 
I was doing shots on the R6 and then I did the same pictures on the same images on the R50 brightness and everything exactly the same no issues there or anything but then once you started to enlarge the images up you could see that difference in quality which you would expect to be you know with an r6 which has got a 2.8 lens on it you know yeah. uh, a little bit of a uh, little bit of noise on the higher end isos but then you know for my use i'm not going to use the canon r50 for the shoots that i was doing um mm. generally as a comparison they're the, they're the things that i actually noticed so for those people that might say well i've got an r6 or i've got an r5 and this doesn't compare well it's not there to compare with mm. it's there for a specific reason but the lenses the, the they've got a really good quite a good range of lenses i mean they're cheap the stm prime lenses uh you know i looked this up actually they're really worth looking at and they're not expensive yeah. for a 50 mil for a 50 mil prime lens it's 200 pounds that's all right. But, yeah. yeah. And just the last thing on the lenses that you can't buy third party lenses for these for these cameras. Um, so, well, they, aren't they? I mean, this is the same lens that was on R10, which I think we uh, we, we reviewed a few months ago. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those ones where you've got to kind of unlock it, haven't you, for the camera to work? Yeah. So there is that little extra function which normal lenses don't have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I will be third party ones coming soon but uh yeah but yeah you do have yeah. to find a canon that's right yeah but it's not so, overly expensive it's not not the end of the world i guess no exactly but a canon trying to tie you in as apple do i don't think Canon do that but you know but apple tie you into their product range don't they yeah but they all do that sony do that as well so i guess yeah that's right so in in use the images that that i was getting were, were great uh, i was shooting mainly in jpeg um and i found that I think I was officially it says that you can shoot about 17 photos in JPEG buffer and only seven in raw. And I found that to be the case. Mm. This is a camera that I wouldn't use to shoot anything in raw, to be honest with you. Really? Um, yeah, I just, I, I don't think I would. I it, think, would you not? Because no, the, the, the APS-C system might need that little bit of extra help. Um, actually, there's a good answer to that, Mark. And I don't mean to sound sort of, you know, um, sort of up myself here. Because I wanted to yeah. make this comment. I want to make this. Uh, if you know what you're doing with the camera and you know how to use it, then you don't need to sort of think, okay, well, I've got to shoot raw here to get me by or something. You know, yeah, if you're but that, that's, yeah. that's you though, isn't it? Mm, so yeah. I, I don't think this camera is necessarily uh, directed at you or me. I no, mean, it's not. Yeah, no, it's not. Where it is, is, um, is when I was using it, for the shoots that I was doing it, I was just using it as a test. It doesn't work for those mm. shoots, but if I just wanted mm. to use it as a general camera to take away on holiday, then, then yeah. But again, I'll yeah. come on to that um, uh, in a moment as to where it actually sits within that range. But in use, as I was saying, it's a little bit clunky uh, with the one dial, but quality of image is really good. Um, yeah. You know, uh, and any content creator that's using it, then yes, you know, absolutely fine. It's really good. Now, a lot of content creators or anyone now, they're used to shooting pictures on their phone and video on their phone. Um, with this camera here, it's very easy to wirelessly connect the, uh, to your phone. And from there, once you've transferred the images to your phone, you can edit images on your phone uh, using, yeah, say, Lightroom good. or one of those presets, which is really good. And then you can share and post those photos. So that's really good. Now, mm. um, a couple of issues I'm going to just sort of pick up on it that I found um, First of all, was the hot shoe because out of interest, I was going to see if I could get the 
flat my speed light that I use on my R6 mm. onto this camera. Okay. Yeah. And I couldn't do it because it doesn't connect. Oh. Okay. It's a different type of hot shoe. And I looked it up and you have, oh, to, annoying. Buy, you have to buy an adapter, which I think is about 30 pounds or something. So yeah. there are certain products that you can use on this on this hot shoe, but if you want to use your own flash guns and your own bits and pieces, the chances are you're going to have to buy an adapter. And the right, adapter, okay. when I looked at it, and I've not seen it for real, but it looked quite it looked quite chunky. So I thought, oh, that's mm. adding quite a bit onto what is already a very small and lightweight camera. Mm. And now, and then one other thing I found, and I wasn't going to do this at first, but I was looking at the cables and when I picked up the cable connections and when I picked up the camera, I opened, I went to the left-hand side. So if you're holding it with the back to you, I went to the left-hand side to open it to see where I could connect my cables. And as it is with pretty much every other camera that I've used, and I found the cable connections are on the other side. Well, that's a little bit odd. So I plugged in a cable because I wanted to connect it. And then when I pick the camera up, if you imagine you're holding the camera with primarily with your right hand, that's the hand that, yeah. that molds around the grip and your finger goes yeah. on the shutter button. But I then had a cable coming out from, from my fingers and I thought, hang on a minute, that doesn't seem right. So again, I looked it up and it is actually like that. That is what it is. So I don't know why they've done that, but I think that was a bit of a flaw. So the only two issues that I could really find with it was really the hot shoe and this cable connection, which yeah. I think is on the wrong side of the camera. Um, so now, not an overly long review here. It was really the main things. But Mark, your your comment really was on um, who's it aimed at, wasn't it? You were saying it's not really aimed well, at Well, I mean, there's a couple of things that I just wanted to start. I mean, obviously, I'm used to using the R6 and using, I found it difficult to use because I'm used to using the R6, let's let's, let's put it that way. I mean, uh, this isn't just a, a criticism of this camera, to be honest. Um, I, I went and I saw my folks over the weekend and, and I used my, my dad's camera, which is the D700. And I found that just as difficult to use because, again, only one wheel, you go on, and you want to you want to quickly move your aperture and you, and, you, and you can't do that and you can't do that with these cameras you gotta you gotta press the button and then the wheel to change to aperture or to shutter speed and all that and i find that a bit clunky but then it's not directed at me you know this is it, I, i'm probably being a bit overly critical with that the one thing i did find with the r50 was i couldn't i mean i didn't have it as long as you so maybe you you had a look at this but um when you're on manual mode um the focusing system was then automatically manual. So you placed the box where you wanted it to be, but yet there was this gray sort of box that was on the eye focus that didn't, that wasn't obviously operating, but it was showing you where the eye was. And I found that a bit odd. Now I don't know it's because I didn't have enough time with it. I don't know if that's something that you came across at all. I didn't know. No. I was, I, I was going into the different modes that it had rather than going into manual shutter aperture. I used them very, yeah. very briefly, but then what I found was that, it was slowing me down because I had to press a button and then yeah. dial it and whatever. So yeah. I thought, okay, right. Well, I won't use those, but it's got all these, when you open up the menus, I said all manner of things come up and then these mm. different creative mode, creative buffering mode and whatever kind. So I started to experiment with those more. So, so I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. Yeah. That was just something I picked up on. And it might be because, you know, I only had it when we were at the, 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 the Wales and West show, which we'll speak about mm. later, but um, I only had it around there. Um, and, uh, and what do you think to battery life, by the way? Because the battery did die on us, didn't it? It did actually, and I was surprised at that. It and did. It's, did you actually fully charge it that that night? The night uh, yes, before? Yeah, yes, I did. Oh, you did. Yes. Okay, yeah. that's interesting to know. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, they are smaller batteries. They're not the same sort of style batteries as you get with the uh, with, with the R6. But um, I think maybe uh, yeah, what it's, so, I think is maybe what we're used to. Suddenly, maybe yeah. a lot of cameras of that size are just generally like that. That we were supposed. Yeah. But I have to say though that. I was looking back a lot of the photos. I was playing around with the menu system. I was playing back some of the videos that I did. So I was, it was Using being, it, used, it was being yeah. used a lot because yeah. we tested, which is, which is wearing the battery down on it. So yes, of course, you know. of course. So anyway, I didn't get a chance to sort of, um, sort of, yeah, try and try and fix that. But, um, but yeah, um, I, I actually thought it was a, a nice little camera overall. You know, I can, Im- I can imagine I, I would get frustrated with it, I think, because, I like my R6 and that's the only reason nothing wrong with the camera I know muscle memory I use it every day pretty much my camera so when you use another one it, it's it's a bit it's a bit weird um but I can see why people would want to buy this and and we were just going on to speaking to who's who's it aimed at I mean for me I thought it was aimed at the 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 enthusiast not necessarily the uh the, the professional um it could be could you See a professional taking it on holiday instead of their big camera cam? Do you reckon? Oh, yeah, I would. Yeah, I would definitely. Would. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and I'll tell you a reason at the end as to why I would do that. Okay. But yeah, I would. De- I would definitely yeah. take it on on the holiday. And I've just, you know, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, I'd, I'd come back from an amazing holiday yeah. uh, for photography, and and I wish I'd had it with me then, um, yeah. because. And a lot of people will say, well, you know, I can do this on my phone. It's much easier. Yes, it is much easier to use yeah. your phone. However, the biggest thing really is that it is quality of image. And if you want to yeah. enlarge any of your pictures up, a phone doesn't come anywhere near it. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And it really a lot doesn't. Of people, yeah. And a lot of people aren't going to print their pictures. A lot of people aren't going to do that. And and I get that because people aren't doing that so much now and everything. So a phone might, you know, be good enough. But you buy a camera for a reason. And mm. if you're going to buy that camera, you need to use it. And if you buy it because you want to take a few pictures and you want to take better photos than on your phone, it, it's still only worth buying if you're actually going to actually really seriously use it a lot. Otherwise, you use the manual settings in your phone's camera, which I discovered, you know, whilst yeah. I was away on holiday. Which was, Well, we'll which talk was about your holiday next episode because uh, yeah. yeah. we've we got a lot to get through today. But I am intrigued to know about your holiday. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll speak about that in the next episode. Yeah. Now, I want to just finish off uh, on, on, on the review here because I think this is quite an important thing that that get often gets overlooked people will buy a camera they'll use it and then they'll say "Um, but the photos on my phone were better um or i bought the camera i didn't really use it much it was a bit of a waste of money and it's a simple reason for this okay is that and i've already mentioned it previously is that you have to learn how to use the camera so mark if i went out and bought spent 900 pounds on a guitar okay Mm. i'm not going to buy it use it once or twice and then say it's no good okay you know uh, oh it's no good it was a waste of money Mm. i would know why it's no good in fact i wouldn't say it's no good i would know why it's no good it's because i'm not using it i'm not learning how to play it i'm not learning Mm. how to use it Mm. so i always find it very frustrating when people will say you know i bought this camera but it doesn't take pictures and it's not very good it's simply because they've not learned how to use it so yeah. if you do go out and buy this camera, go out and do a course, go out and watch some YouTube videos, go and learn how to use the camera and make the most of the camera. Because the reason why I was saying that I would take this on holiday without even thinking about it is because I do know how to use it. And when I was using it for the first time, when we had it for a week, I was learning a lot. I looked at these creative modes and seeing where they were useful. I was finding out how I was finding out how to play it. Really, mm. I was finding mm. out how to get a tune from it, mm. you know, and that's often overlooked. 
and you know uh, and i think that's a really thing is learn how to use it think of it as though you, you've just bought a guitar and you need yeah. to learn how to play it yeah right. no, that's yeah well that's, i mean um uh, so price range um what, price range, it's depending on where you get it from we'll put some links out it's anything between 900 950 whether you buy okay. it with lens and things quite quite a quite a big investment that then I actually thought it was probably more, it was more than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Having used it and the options that you get from it, you know, I mean, hey, look, we spend over a thousand pounds on a phone. Wow. Yes, you know, we do. We oh, do. yeah. But a phone does all this yeah. and all that as well. But you're buying a camera. Yeah. In actual fact, at the price point that it's at and what you get, it's good value for money, I think. And the, options, okay. and the options that you have with it, I've used it quite a lot. And I would say that, and we've not really touched on the video aspect of it either. But those mm. of you that want to use it for video, you've got that. You've got the capability of doing great video, great slow-mo, um, and some of the bits I shot out of it and put them up on a big mm. screen. Crystal clear. Focusing was nailed every time. It was really good. So, yeah, great camera. Content creators, enthusiasts, hobbyists, you know, professionals might want to buy it just as a, a little side camera, you know, shoot a bit of B-roll images, as it were, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah you know it's it's do you know what mark it's a good backup camera to have just in case just in case um i'm not <laughs> sure if a bride and groom would be overly happy if you pulled that one out for their wedding uh, <laughs> no they honest. wouldn't but it's what you do with it it's like that yeah guitar. i know you know i, know. I, I know. can play I this that. guitar so you know so so anyway uh great camera canon thank you very much for sending it over to us uh reviewed it and uh looking forward to uh also reviewing the v10 as well yeah. uh mark I think it's time for a drink. Yes, I think it's your round. Right then. So um, if you guys had listened to our last episode, which was amazing, if you didn't see it, didn't listen to it, then please do. Um, yeah, we had um, uh, Harry Marotra on from uh, Camera Centre UK um, talking about the Wales and West show that they were putting on. Um, and they kindly gave us a couple of press passes uh, for so me and Cam could go down. And we did last Friday. Uh, we went round the show and had had a uh, quite quite a bit of um, yeah had a few chats with people, bumped into some old friends and some uh, met some new ones and um, yeah this is how it all went. We stopped here at the Benro stand and we're chatting with Mark. Mark, what do what are Benro known for? Uh, Benro make a range of camera supports, tripods and heads for both photo and video cameras. Um, and yeah, we have a wide selection available to suit almost most requirements that photographers would need. Yeah, I mean, looking around here, I mean, there must be what 20 or 30 tripods that you've got here and different types of heads, video heads, camera heads, sort of, I suppose, vlogging uh, unit heads as well. So there's a whole range of stuff. When a photographer is looking for a, for a tripod, I'm not talking about a videography, but I'm talking about a photographer here. What makes a good tripod? A lot really depends on what the photographer wants. Um, choosing a tripod usually involves some sort of compromise between whether they want something portable or whether they want something stable. And we have extremes at either end of the scale and we have a wide range of products in the middle. And it's really up to the, the photographer to decide what their compromise is and to choose the product that they know that when they walk out the front door with their camera bag every morning, that they will pick up and take with them. So we have a, a big range of products that hopefully, it might seem it makes the decision making more complicated, but we like to provide a, a, a solution for almost all uh, you know, 
cases. So for me, that's, it's important because a lot of people overlook the importance of a tripod. I'm talking here about sort of hobbyist enthusiasts, really. They'll think they need a tripod, so they'll go out and buy a tripod. May, may, might buy an Amazon, a £50 tripod, and just because it's a tripod, they think, yeah, I've got a tripod and it's good enough. Um, but some of them aren't really worth anything at all because they're so flimsy. Um, so a product, so a, a tripod has to have some substance to it, but also it comes down to cost. Now, Benro offer a quality range of products, we know that. So from the consumer end, what sort of prices do uh, like a, the tripods start at? Uh, the Benro range starts with a, a, what I would call a full-size tripod with a suggested retail price of around £110 and goes up to around about £500 for top-of-the-range, tall, heavy, stable carbon fibre. And when I say heavy, I mean heavy, it's lightweight compared to the size. But yeah, yeah you know, we make a, a, a good selection of models to suit not all budgets, as I say, starting at £110, some people might think is expensive, but when you buy Benro, we like to think you're buying a, a quality product that will, will last you well if you look after it. In fact, I'm surprised they start from as low as £110, actually, you know, being the, you know, because Benro are well known in the industry you know, for offering that, that quality product as well. When it comes to the weight of a tripod, you were saying that carbon fibre, and it's very much sort of the, the lightweight end of things. Are most tripods now being made from carbon fibre for that reason or are there still different materials, heavier materials still being used? I guess since, since carbon fibre was started to be used for tripods it's been a buzzword and of, of what people need. The benefit of carbon fibre is that it brings lightness. Um, so if you've got two tripods the same size, one's made of aluminium, one's made of carbon fibre, the carbon fibre one will be lighter weight. Uh, put that into perspective and spin it around the other way if you put those two tripods up in a wind tunnel and turn the fan on the expensive lightweight one will blow over before the less expensive heavy one um, and this is the compromise is do you want heavy and stable or do you want lightweight and portable and actually carbon fiber does give you that best compromise you can get something that's quite big but is still lighter than what a big aluminium equivalent would be. So when you buy a tripod, it comes really in two sections. It comes as obviously the tripod legs and then the separate attachment, which is the head that goes on top, rather than it being one complete unit. And I'm guessing looking at the, the, the products that you've got, they all pretty much, apart from maybe one or two, seem to be sort of in that way, where you've got the tripod legs and you buy the head that's separate. And there's a range of different tripod heads, aren't there? You think get things like the ball heads, the ones with like the stick. Um, what's the most popular type of head that? And that's, when I talk about the actual head, that's a bit that screws onto the bottom of your camera. For those of you that aren't sure. Yeah, that's right. The head is the bit that actually allows you to move, position the camera, landscape, portrait, pan, left and right. Yeah, I mean, we do yeah, three-way heads, uh, so pan, tilt. Um, and up and down and each one has a separate lock for that each axis of movement. We have ball heads where you undo one lock and the head will move in all directions. We then have variables on that so for instance we have a geared head which is in effect a three-way head where you have control over each movement by turning a dial which gives you very precise movements and then we have heads that are designed for long lenses, telephoto lenses 
um, which give you very smooth movement for what could be you know, a 400, 500 mil lens. Um, and again, it's really a case if, of, of deciding what you kind of photography you're doing. Our most popular heads as an all-rounder are probably ball and socket heads. Um, because although when you undo the lock they will move in all directions, most of our ball heads have a friction control which allows you to adjust the tension, which means that you get some degree of precision in your positioning. But if you're doing just landscape photography and you know you always want precision, then something like our geared head is, is probably what you need. Likewise, if you're using a, a, a camera with a long telephoto lens for wildlife or sports photography, then a gimbal head is what, what you need. It's, again, it's a little bit like the tripods. We have a, a solution for most cases. And then if someone's looking for a head that will do all three, all you know, variable functions, um, then yeah, it's up to the customer to decide what they think will work best for them. Yeah, that's right. And I think really what we're saying, just to finish off, is that choosing a tripod is an important decision and there's a range of different options and it's finding the right tripod for you. Um, and that will only enhance your photography as well. Uh, a, a good tripod goes a long way. Brilliant. Mark, thank you very much. No problem. Thank Cheers. You. Hi there, Mark here. So I'm here with uh, another one of the models here. So it's uh, Jared. Jared, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. But thanks, for, thanks for giving me the time to have a chat. No worries at all. No worries at all. So um, first off, um, how is it that you got this gig? How come you're, you're here today? Well, I got invited by one of the photographers here, uh, Imogen, her name is. Um, lovely person, an amazing photographer. Um, she recommended me to come down and uh, I thought, why not? Just, just come and meet some people. And it's a really, really friendly atmosphere. Everyone's lovely and uh, I'm just having, having a really good time. Awesome stuff. Um, were you here yesterday as well? I wasn't. I wasn't here yesterday, but I will be here tomorrow as well. Ah, cool. Very good. So what sort of things have you been doing today? Well, to be honest, I've just been floating around just having chats with people, just uh, getting to know some photographers, some of the local businesses kind of thing. And uh, just had a few photo shoots now. And um, yeah, I think it'll just be a bit more of the same. Awesome stuff. And how long have you been um, in the modelling profession for? About four to five years now. I, I started um, helping a university student out back when I was at uni. Uh, and it kind of sort of snowballed from there, really. Just set up my Instagram page and just, yeah, just been modelling ever since, yeah. Very good. So um, we're just here. We're, obviously, we're, we're the photography bar and we do a lot of sort of information for uh, photographers, um, professionals listen to us, also amateurs and students and all that kind of stuff as well. So we just wondered, you know, any sort of tips for photographers, you know, how to, you know, interact with a model, um, what do you find is useful when on shoots, um, you know, that, that kind of thing, really. So um, in the studio, um, what do you find useful? Do you find photographers, um, you know, if they know how to pose and all that kind of stuff or collaboration, what do you find really useful when it comes to working with photographers? Yeah, you know, I was going to say, it's probably the number one thing for me is when a photographer gives good directions. As a model, you can start running out of ideas and you're in front of the camera, so it can get a little bit nerve-wracking at times, but... If you've got a photographer who's cool, calm, collected, and they know exactly what they want and they can give you directions of just like where to position your hands, how to tilt your head, how where to put where to, you know, put your legs and all that sort of stuff, like just positioning wise is uh, it can be really, really useful and, and help calm a model down knowing they're following the instructions of the photographer. They know that's what the photographer wants, so they don't have to worry about sort of displeasing them or anything like that. Is uh, yeah, just having clear instructions and a clear goal is really, really helpful for a photo shoot. 
awesome stuff. I mean, uh, I think we're speaking to uh, one of the ladies who are also models here, and, and she was saying mood boards are quite useful as well. Is that something? Yeah, 100%. Mood boards are so, so useful, especially in terms of like what clothes to bring to a shoot, because sometimes you're, you're stuck there the night before, you're looking at all your clothes, you're just like panicking, you're not sure what to bring. But if you've got a mood board, you can sort of refer back to that and think, okay, cool, I've got to sort of resemble something, yeah to this degree um, and yeah, yeah definitely a mood board would fully recommend that excellent stuff um, yeah I think Cam wants to answer a question here we go yeah I just wanted to continue on Jared from what you were saying there about the rapport with the photographer so for me you know um, speaking to a lot of photographers and working with a lot of photographers there's a lot of photographers that you put a camera in their hand and they just go very quiet and that builds a barrier between you've got photographer you've got camera and then you've got model and the, and the camera becomes a barrier because there's no 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 one's speaking. The model's not talking to the photographer, the not talking to the model. There's no, as you were saying, it needs clear instructions. And so the, the best photographers, are, uh, I always feel, are the ones that are the ones that are the noisiest, right? You know, the ones that are constantly talking and shooting whilst they're behind camera as well. Um, because I, one, th one thing I sort of like, and it's this paparazzi, you never hear a quiet paparazzi photographer, always barking instructions. Now, I don't mean barking instructions, but uh, what I mean is that you've that everything comes from the photographer and then that goes back to the model and and then the model gets to know as well you know this is what I want to do and then the model might start coming up with ideas as well and it builds up a whole shoot doesn't it you know have you found yourself in the situation where this just isn't happening with with a particular photographer uh, yeah no it, it, it does happen like fortunately enough it, had, it doesn't happen too much for me but um yeah, well, when it's pretty much like you said, when you get a quiet photographer, he's not really giving you too much. Like, I start running out of ideas and poses, and then I'm sort of sat there like, Man, I got, I got no idea what else to do, and he's sort of there tw twiddling his thumbs, not really too sure either. And it's, yeah, it just becomes a bit. I don't know. You, you, you and you definitely lose like the um, momentum of a photo shoot as well. It sort of falls very flat on its face very early on. Um, but as you said, if you get a photographer who's like constantly talking, and even if they're making you laugh, and they're like. Um, they, 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 for example, like sometimes I've had to do photo shoots where I've had to be smiley or happy and stuff, and he, he, the, the photographer's there just cracking jokes, just trying to making me laugh, and just, just it, it just warms you into the shoot and it keeps the momentum going, and it's it's just really nice. You can, you can bounce off each other and play off each other, but obviously if the photographer sort of remains silent, then it it, it becomes a very stale shoot. It becomes very. It, it just becomes a very long shoot very quickly. So definitely keep communication going have all these ideas coming out and I know from a photographer's perspective that can seem like quite a lot because they are the one who's got to initiate that but trust me the, the model will start bouncing off you and will start suggesting ideas as well. Great. Do you find you've, it's created an interest in photography for yourself? Now the answer might be no to this but are you interested in photography yourself at all? Do you ever sort of think actually I'd quite like to be the one behind the camera? I, I've never, I've never done it. I've never given it a go. I, like, it, of course, it's been on my mind. Like, I see what like photographers can produce and the cameras they have, and it looks all so incredible. Um, but I, I wouldn't know the first thing about how to operate a camera. I know, like, I don't, I don't want to be one of these guys who goes and gets this expensive camera and knows how to like function like two percent of it. Um, I know, I know some people do that. Uh, I don't want to be a statistic like that. So, uh, yeah, no, pro probably not. I'll probably leave that to the experts. But I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't fully say no to it. Yeah. Do you know what? That's a really good answer. Yeah. Because and the reason why I say it's a good answer, right, is re response, is you've just sort of said that 
I'm not going to go out and buy a camera and only be able to use 2% of it. You know, the, the problem is so many people think photography is so easy. So they'll go and buy this amazing camera and not expect, and they'll expect just to get great pictures just because they spent a lot of money on a camera. Well, a lot of people think it's the camera, don't they? And we, the... Yeah, and I think this conversation proves that it is the photographer, it's the rapport as well, but it's knowing how to use your camera. Um, so your, your sort of response to that was really good, but just but because it just sort of goes to show that you have to learn the crafts, don't you? Uh, just as modelling, you have to learn how to model, don't you? You know, there's, 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 there's a way to do it. You know, it's not just a look. If you have a look, it's not just if you have a look, then you can model, but you still have to learn that craft, don't you? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, we're going back to the photography thing. I remember being at university and you, you would get these students who would come fresh into uni and they'd get their parents to buy them this really expensive camera. And the results really were so naff. It was so like, oh, really? Like, you spent all this money on this? Like, yeah, you, you, it, is, it is a talent. It is a skill you need to sort of master over the years. And, and Certainly, and then that definitely sort of transcends then into modelling as well. Like I, I've been doing this for the yeah, four to five years now, and uh, I'm definitely a lot better than how I started. I, I hope I am anyway. Uh, yeah, so. Great stuff, thank you, thank you, Jared. What we'll do is we'll put out some links to your Instagram, uh, you know, in in, in the pod show. Yeah. And uh, so if any of you want to check out Jared's work and possibly even use Jared for one of your shoots, uh, I'm sure you'll be able to get in touch. Thanks, Jared. Okay, so at the show today, um, there are um, some models here for photographers who have brought their cameras along, uh, who can um, take photos with their cameras of professional models. And we've got one of the models here, Anna, and um, we're going to be chatting to Anna and asking Anna what it's like to work with photographers. And if, you, if you're a photographer and wants to work with models and wants to models what what do you as a photographer need to be aware of so hi Anna thank you for joining us and uh, have you been busy this morning yeah I was really busy this morning there were so many people especially in the morning yeah so, so. that's great okay so obviously you work with a lot of photographers you've been modeling you were saying for three years yeah so okay that's good and so you've obviously worked with a lot of different photographers yeah so what advice would you have for a photographer who's working with a model so I would advise to talk to models because sometimes I just I don't know if I doing things right and yeah just talk to them because uh, you can't really see what what's going on uh, in the frame so yeah okay yeah and that's really good advice because a lot of photo- we've said this a number of times haven't we Mark that the best photographers are the ones that are always talking from behind the camera. Mm. They're telling their subject what they, what to do, yeah. what they want them to do. Yeah. So that rapport works off the model and the photographer as well. Would you agree with that? Yeah, really a good, good advice to communicate with models because you can um, maybe like just book them for another uh, shoot or just um, help them to like help them uh, in their career as well. So just talk, make friends, I don't know. Um, I understand what you're saying. It, it's, just be, it's just building a good relationship yeah. so that the photographer's talking, the model's talking, yeah. making, making you feel comfortable. Yeah. Because, you know, I've said before, a lot of photographers like to say, you know, I'm a photographer and I like to do all the natural photos and that type of thing. Um, but I tend to find a lot of photographers go so quiet behind the camera that, that the camera becomes a barrier between the photographer and the model. So it's really important that the photographer is always talking and, 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 and advising people as well. So I think, um, Mark, if you, any advice from you at all? 
Oh, well, it's necessarily advice. I mean, I mean, I think. Um, do Do you find it easier if 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 someone books you, um, that you have maybe a bit of a rapport before the shoot happens? Uh, emails like listing what what's going to be happening in the shoot and any ideas and things like that. Is that more helpful? Do you think? Yeah. Uh, so before the shoot, I would like to know uh, what the idea of the shoot. If I need to bring my own outfit, I like to know what outfit I should bring because yeah, it's obvious. Um, if I have to do my makeup on my own, um, I'd like to know some ideas maybe for for it because uh, like I don't know what what's your idea, what's your vision of it. So yeah. Yeah, and I guess um, things like mood boards and... Yeah, yeah. Uh, just send some pictures maybe from other photographers that inspired you, just something, yeah, just anything. And I'm guessing that photographers who kind of know what they want to do, know how to sort of pose you, I guess, exactly yeah. what they're after, that's the sort of thing that really helps with the shoot. Yeah, maybe some um, for poses as well, because some models don't really know how to pose. Um, it's quite sad, but yeah, sometimes it happens. Sometimes it happens. Um, yeah. Awesome stuff. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Um, we'll um, we'll grab your. Are you on Instagram and things? Yeah. 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 Cool. Well, we'll uh, we'll we'll share share your link so people know so people know who you are. Um, thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. So when you come to a trade show, we've always said, haven't we, Mark, that the best place to get a deal is at one of the trade shows and we are stood here at the Camera Centre UK stand who's or who have organised this show and we're looking at the board there here with all of their products that they've got and with the prices as well and there's some really good deals here. Yeah absolutely I mean obviously I, I'm being a Canon user I went straight to the Canon stuff and uh, they've got some cash pack offers um, so for example the EOS R6 Mark II body only um, after the cash back, which is two hundred fifty pounds, is two two five one, which is actually quite a good deal, really. It's uh, um, it's only like a couple of hundred quid more than what I paid for the R six Mark one a few years ago. So um, not bad, not bad at all. Um, there's some good ones on the Nikon's as well. So the Z seven Mark two, um, got about what four hundred fifty quid off there as well. Um, yeah, some really good offers going on. Yeah, you were looking at the Nikon ones. I wanted to point out the Z8, which is the body only, is 3999, and uh, with, with the lens kit, with the 24-120, it's 48, 4,839 pounds. But it also comes with a free gift as well. Now, it's either the lens adapter or a 128-gig card. And that's what I mean that uh, about when you come to a trade show, that there's some really good deals always to be had, you know, whether it's a free gift or good deals that they're carrying off. You know, Sony's A1 uh, is is down from six standard retail price of six four six four nine nine to five four nine nine. You're right, that's about a grand off, and you get a 320 gig uh, CF Express card, and that's worth that on its own is worth 629 pounds. So that is one hell of a deal. So that's what I mean. So if you are looking for something, look out for these trade shows, um, and it's not just cameras. I mean, look, we've got all the camera straps here, uh, the Street Breathe camera single strap that's from Black Rapid. Their, their straps are brilliant. That's down, uh, it is about £10 off that from normal retail price, but it's still a deal to be had. So look out for these uh, trade shows if you're looking for something to buy. 
there, right. So I am uh, with Stuart at Don Clark Camera Repairs Limited. Um, how are you doing, Stuart? You okay? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Yeah. Awesome stuff, awesome stuff. We, I must admit, we go around the few trade centers. I've not seen um, like necessarily a, a repair person there. Have you come? Yeah, there's, no, there's normally a, at the trade shows, there's always a camera cleaning uh, stand going. All right, I must have missed it. Anyway, not to worry, not to worry. So um, how things been for you uh, at the trade show? Yeah, very good. Yeah, we've been busy doing some sensor cleans. Um, obviously for camera centre, so we do most of their work. So, yeah, so we've just been sitting here. Um, yeah, whenever anybody needs their sensor doing, we can do it on the spot for them. Awesome stuff. So, um, I mean, <laughs> I'm going back to my Jessup's days. I used to send stuff off to repair, and it was always mechanical stuff. And it's a very different game now with the DSLRs. There's probably a lot more sort of involved in fixing cameras. Um, so, um, what what would you um, advise? photographers, whether they're professionals or students, to, to look after their cameras, whether it's sensor cleaning or, or you know, just general upkeep of their cameras. Is there any tips you would have for them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just trying to keep it as dust-free as possible, really. You know, like lens cap, even body caps, you know, when you're putting them onto bodies, just, you know, spending a bit of time sort of hoovering them out on the inside, you know, because they just pick up so much dust. You know, and if you don't get rid of that, it's going to transfer it into the body straight away as soon as you put them on and off. I mean, and then really silly kind of like you know, solutions like double-sided sticky tape. If you put some inside the body caps in the you know in the little cavity, it will pick up you know quite a bit of dust from the inside. You know, it will stick to it rather than going dropping inside on your sensor. That's a great little tip. Have you heard of that before? Hang on a minute. Where do you put that on the inside of the, yeah, so of the body cap? If you've got a body cap, obviously you've got a little hollowed out section inside. Mm. Just just put some, you know, just cut some tape to size, just some double-sided tape on the inside of it, and any dust that sort of floats around. I mean, you see that technology, I call it technology, inside cameras as well. Yeah, yeah. So at the bottom of shutters, um, inside mirror boxes, there'll be some double-sided tape. So if anything falls down inside the camera, it, it grabs onto it basically and just stops it from floating around the camera. And is it all types of camera that Don Clark fixes? Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah, we still do film stuff now. We, we're seeing quite a bit of film stuff again now. You've seen an uptake on that recently. A huge uptake, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, I thought I was done repairing film cameras and they're, they're all coming out of the woodwork now. <laughs> do you find um, sort of digital cameras are more problematic with repairs than what, what would have been with film cameras? Or? Um, not necessarily. I mean, we see them for pretty similar faults, to be honest, shutter units. I mean, we see more digital for shutter units now than film, but what people don't understand is, you know, they're putting, you know, 4,000 shots to go on it, whereas, you know, previously with film stuff you, you were putting you know 50 rolls of film for it a year 36 exposures it didn't you know we, we get a lot of cameras in now that have got you know, a million shots on them you know yeah i mean we, we've often spoken about that on on the pod about you know don't just machine gun it when you're at a wedding and things like that but i do find it quite interesting with all this technology all these amazing sort of advances in camera technology that it is the shutter the shutter area that's still the problem yeah i've got a quick question it's sensor cleaning so a lot of people will buy their own sensor cleaning kits they will try and uh, clean their own cameras try and do it themselves um you're going to say that's not a good idea I, I think it's a good, it's a great idea. To be honest, you just, you know, it's not rocket science. It's you've just got to be careful. You know, you've got to make sure you've got a fully charged battery. You know, or you're plugged into a power supply if it's a, you know, if you've got that facility. Um, you know, and just buy some decent, decent kit. You know, just buy some proper sensor swabs. 
and the correct fluid is important because you know you can damage the coating on the on the sensors. But you know the research is online now; it's for everybody to see. You know, you just need to have you to have done a little bit of research for yourself and and just yeah, just be careful. So you can do it because I'm sort of uh, you know it's, it's good that you've said that actually. You didn't just sort of say no. You know, always send it to a professional. You can do it yourself, but really you do have to be incredibly careful because I guess it's very easy to make a mistake. Something yeah, I mean the common mistake that we see is you know if you've got a low power on a battery, if you, if you put the camera into sensor clean mode, it will go into sensor clean mode. But then if it if it gets to a point where the battery gets too low, it will automatically shut itself down and shut the shutter. So if you're in there with a sensor swab and all of a sudden you know the shutter comes crashing down, you know we we do see them where they sort of fold the shutter up because the sensor swab's gotten in the way of all the little blades and they're quite delicate. Um, you know that is a relatively common one. Sure, yeah. So on the Canons, uh, I, I don't think Nikon do, but Canon have. You can set it so that when your camera turns on and off, it, it cleans the sensor. Yeah. Yeah. The camera. So, I mean, do does it actually do anything? <laughs> and is it worth having that on? It is worth having it on. Um, it doesn't do a huge amount because the problem is um, there is a phenomenon called dust weld. So the CMOS sensors, or the sensors get relatively warm when they're when they're on. Um, and dust has a moisture content in it when it's floating around and when it lands on the sensor it kind of gets baked onto the sensor a little bit so it will shake off bigger bits I mean it's basically an ultrasonic you know, pad in it and it just vibrates at a really high frequency so it will shake some stuff off but if it's actually welded onto the sensor itself um, it, it will need to be wet clean to be able to remove it. Yeah, but you would say that it's still worth leaving on? Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it does a job, it, it definitely gets rid of some stuff. And as I say, that's what, yeah, with the tape in the bottom, it sometimes just shakes a big one off and it'll fall in and just stop, you know, and get, get stuck, so, yeah. Great. Stuart, thank you very much. Thank you for that advice. And uh, we'll put some links out. Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely going to put some um, sort of sticky tape on my uh, on my rear lens cap. That's an amazing, an amazing tip. <laughs> Great, thank you. All right. All right, guys. I bumped into Jeff, friend of the show, the photographer's mentor, uh, who I highly recommend. And uh, Jeff, you've just become well. You've just had some good news, haven't you? You've just yeah. become president of the BIPP. Yes, yes, that's right. So the uh, the British Institute of Professional Photographers. So I'm their president now. It's a two-year position. And the BIPP is the oldest professional photography association in, in the entire world. So it was started in 1901. Uh, so it's got a load of history and uh, looking for a new direction for the Institute of British Institute of Professional Photography to, to drive it forward and make it an, um, an institution that's all about success and creativity. Uh, because I, I, you know, my view is that yes, you can have lots of associations and stuff and bodies, but if photographers are just, um, featuring on you know creating beautiful images but they don't understand how to market and, and move forward with the business then they're not going to actually make any money so photographers need that creative sort of inspiration but they also need advice on how to run a business they also need support and to make sure that they're fully legally compliant as well and i think this is the way forward for the for the bipp yeah i can certainly vouch for that i mean I'm not saying photography is easy but the photography part of the job that we do is the easy bit um it's the business aspect of things and learning how to run a business, finding the work, how are you going to bring work in? That's, that's the hardest thing. 
being a self-employed photographer. And, uh, and on top of that, as you said, the legal issues as well, because they're becoming, there's, there's some new legislation coming in now every single month or every single year now, isn't there? And you just have to be far more aware of that as a business owner. Yeah, I mean, with everything, with, you know, GDPR, uh, terms and conditions, privacy policies for your website, uh, contracts with your clients, image usage, rights, um, and, and obviously, you know, now we're starting to think about AI as well, so that's going to be changing legalities as well for, the, for, for photographers. And the thing is, most photographers are single-man bands, so, you know, something that's really important to them is, is having a community and having support and people that can bounce ideas off. Mm. It's like having a... Yeah, somebody who's trusted, who gives them a, a good source of knowledge, and obviously with a bit being, you know, 120 year old, we we have that within the institute. Mm. But as your role as as the mentor, as a photographer's mentor, um, sort of briefly, how 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 can you help photographers that are out there who run their own businesses? Well, one of the things I do, I've got I've got a website, thephotographersmentor.com. I, I produce blogs, I produce lots of information, so I help photographers establish the brand, build a premium brand, and then learn how to gain more visibility because it's all about getting their message out there. You know, if you're not visible, um, you're not credible. And that's it, you know, visibility becomes credibility. The more credible you become, the more authority you have and the more you can charge for what you do. So it's all about visibility. It's all about consistency, but you have to have the right man, uh, the right message there and you have, have to have the right, the right brand. So the brand and the message need to be right to start with and then start getting that out and pushing. You know, don't be afraid to get yourself out there. Yeah, it's true. And the thing is, but you, but you need guidance to do that, don't you? You need help because a lot of us, or a lot of independent photographers will say, okay, well, I'm going to learn this on my own, which is fair enough. They'll watch YouTube videos. Um, but there's no, what I find by doing that, or, or rather they don't get anywhere with it or they do something and then lose heart or just not working out. And I think the reason for that is because there's no structure to it. And I think, I think it's worth investing money and working with somebody uh, you know, doing a course of some sort or working with a mentor, I think that counts for a hell of a lot. I think too many people try and do everything on their own, don't they? And when there's people like yourself who is there for great ideas to bounce ideas off and give some structure to a business as well to move forward, I think that's invaluable. Totally, totally. And obviously, you know, being a mentor myself, I don't just want to say that it's just not like try and sell my services. I think everybody, I have a mentor. I have two different mentors, which I use. One is for the, for physical and for sort of, you know, um, for training and getting fit in fitness and um, mindset and I have another mentor for within my business. And I think everybody needs a mentor, somebody to work with, to, to set goals, be accountable to, because it's so easy when you work by yourself to think, ah, oh, I'll do it next week or I'll put that off. And it could, you know, what you could be doing, you could be just missing out on half an hour a day of marketing, half an hour a day of doing something in the right direction um, that will actually change your business. Quite often we put a lot of focus on time, um, stuff that isn't going to make a big direction to our business, when effectively we're not talking about spending eight hours a day marketing, we're only talking about half an hour a day, getting the right message out to the right people under the right guidance so you know what you're creating, creating the right message, the right brand, and getting it out there to people, and that's what makes a big difference. Yeah, really valuable. So we've got the photographer's mentor who has his own mentors, and I think that's a good enough reason for, to have a mentor uh, for all of us. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, we'll put the links out as usual, so if anyone wants to contact Jeff, either please contact us or follow the links. And uh, thanks, Jeff. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Brilliant. Right, guys, we've stopped and uh, chatting with Dave at Express Imaging, who's helping out the camera centre. And 
The reason why I've stopped here is because, Dave, you are standing next to a glass cabinet full of old film cameras. And from Bronicus to Hasselblad's, Olympus, Pentax, Nikon, some real classics in there. And I stopped because I got rid of my cameras, film cameras, years ago. And I was interested in how much they actually retail for. But also, I wanted to know about the popularity of these cameras as well. You know, are a lot of people looking to buy these medium format film cameras? Yes, they are getting very, very popular. Um, we had a lull in the market go back three, four years ago, where lots of camera equipment went for next to no money at all. I got rid of some stuff back then, and now you're thinking three or four years later, it's all doubled and tripled back in price. The popularity has gained. Film is sort of back here in a big way. So, yes, it's popular. A lot of the youngsters want to go into it. I've had a lot of not-so-young people coming in and loving the nostalgia of it all. They've come into the cabinets and talk, they're starting to buy in stuff they didn't really need, but they love it because of the tangible feel and the way film is. So it's all come back. The value of the equipment over the last few years has risen. It'll never be what it was, but you get more for the equipment and there's a lot more interest in it. That's really good because you answered a number of my questions. And one of, the thing, one of those questions was, who is the typical who would be a typical person that's buying the film stuff? You know, is it young people because they want to learn about it? You know, are people sort of thinking, I want to go for that film feel? Obviously, there's a lot of, you know, Lightroom filters and presets and things like that, which try and mimic that. And I know it's not the same, you know, as using, you know, the classic film. That's what, that's what it's all about. But it's also just the experience of it, don't you think? Yeah, the experience, people are, are loving film. I mean, it's quite funny, actually, running the lab in City Road. We get films coming in and people have fogged them and done silly things with them. They give some really strange and weird results, but they're loving it that you can't even sometimes produce in Photoshop because of the way the light has worked. And it, it's, it's, it's brilliant seeing it all come back. But it's quite funny because you see some of these mistakes and many years ago, you tried not to make any of those mistakes. And now they're loving the mistakes that film makes and gets. You get one or two people who open their back and rewind the film and show you, which is a no-no, but that's how they're learning how to get round and how to use film. So, you know, it, it's all... It's all an amazing comeback for film, and I think it's here for a good few years, at least I hope so anyway. I've been here for 23 years, and I've seen it double. Since when we started, we were doing 20,000 rolls of film a year. It went down to about 3,000. Now it's back up to 11,000. So that tells you where the market's gone, but it's still growing. And I suppose you get a lot of celebrities out there who've shot film cameras, like Kardashians, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the market's gone, we want one of those cameras to do that. So that I think social media has brought it all back as well. But there's a genuine interest for film and a genuine love for the way film is and how it produces the results. It's the CD versus vinyl argument, back here again with film. Yeah, and it's quite, it's funny you say that about, you know, when people sort of, they're trying different things. You know, I opened the back of my SQB several times, squeezed the little buttons together and thought, oh, damn, there's film in there and quickly closed it. Yeah. These days, it, you know, that's art. It's now an effect, isn't it? Yeah, and, you know, yeah. you know yeah. and all of that. And it's, you know, the style of the cameras is great. And you know they're popular because companies, particularly like Fuji, have gone for very much that retro style in their digital cameras, haven't they? They've, 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 they've gone down that feel as well. So people like the look of those classic film cameras. Yeah, I, I guess that's the case. I mean, they're still very digital, though, Cam, so I wouldn't necessarily go that they're, they're looking too retro. But I know what you mean. They're, they're kind of the body shape. 
is, is quite similar on some of them. I think people like the tangible feel of the buttons rather than LCDs and menus. Yeah. I, I sort of wish Canon, because I'm a Canon user digitally and I love it, but I wish they'd bring out something more tangible, press button, there it is, than screens and menus. But I think that's what's brought all these cameras back, because you can plunk them into position, feel how they're going to work, listen to the shutter go plunk, and you know you've taken the picture. Yeah. And I think it's quite satisfying to feel, you know, with that camera. Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to talk about um, express imaging as well, um, and the sort of things that you do. Is it mainly film you do, or do you do digital as well? Or it... um, Yeah, it's, it's mainly film. We're film processors and film printers. We've been around for 23 years. I've been told by many reps, oh, just been your film machine now. No, kept it, ridden out the storm when it's all come back to fruition. So a lot of those reps are now going, oh, oh yes, good job we stuck with that. Yep. But yeah, Express Imaging, been there 23 years, love the film industry. We do digital printing, large format printing, we've got a studio, we do lots of different stuff with the realms of taking photographs, utilizing photographs. Don't sell so much equipment apart from a cabinet full of used equipment, which I've apprehended over the years but yeah just love the industry and what it does i'm glad to work with camera center with helping them out on this day awesome stuff so basically if you are using film cameras and you want to get your film processed i guess you can just send them over to you is that right yes please do yeah from anywhere in the country we'll take mail order we'll take whatever we can get however we can get it awesome stuff awesome stuff well thank you very much for uh, letting us speak to you today and uh, have a great rest of the show thank you very much thank you We've just gone from the uh, film camera stand to the stands right next to it, which works very well. And it's TWP who sell Patterson products, and I'm speaking to Miles here, who is standing uh, by his stand here and has got darkroom equipment, developing tank, um, measuring cylinders, sp uh, 35mm film spirals, developing trays, all manner of all darkroom stuff. Miles, thank you for uh, letting us have a chat with you. Um, you were saying so Patterson, uh, sorry, so it's TWP who's, and you sell the Patterson products, is that right? Yeah, Yeah. we're the manufacturers, so uh, TWP means uh, three-way pressings, so engineering company, and we bought the Patterson products and we still make them in Tipton in the West Midlands, so it's a UK company. Well, stopping here, I mean, just reminds me of when I was growing up, you know, because I think I bought my first developing sort of, I think, you know, my parents bought it for me as a present. I think I must have been about 13 or something. And the 35mm film spirals, the exact same developing tank, exactly the same measuring cylinders. They've never changed the style, which goes to show how classic they are. Um, the film clips that you hang, hang, hang to and the end of your film to, to dry them, which is great. The, the little uh, ring pull to take the lid off the 35mm. So it's all manner of, and stirrers, stirrers, thermometers. I have to say, I was more it's of a film, here. I was a film pit guy rather than uh, taking apart the camera stuff. Yeah. yeah, so there's a whole range of products here. Now, how popular is this? You know, are people still looking to process at home? Well, actually, it's on the increase, bizarrely. Um, I'd say certainly over the last five years, We've noticed that uh, film sales have, have gone up. People are buying 35mm cameras and medium format cameras. Their value is going up. And people are then thinking, what next can I do? I've, I've taken the photos. How about developing the film? And of course, we've got the equipment to do that. You know, it's very easy to do. Load a film. It's not scary at all. And then we do kits with various amounts of products in there to, just to make it easy for you. So you could buy a whole kit for developing 
two rolls of 35 mil uh, or one 120 with the tank chemistry uh, which is made by Ilford uh, and we put that in this kit together so you can just have a go at home. And the Patterson range is all made here in the UK as well uh, yeah. which is uh, you know which is really good and um, and so it keeps it here as well but looking around everything here you've got the negative bags the, the sleeves where you put your 35mm films in looking around the stand but you've also got some really good kits for sale as, as well that gives you a complete darkroom as well it's a darkroom starter kit. Uh, including the, the red safe lights. It's got everything as for somebody who's either wants to start as a beginner or somebody who's been, who'd done it for years and has got rid of all their equipment and wants to pick up on it again. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the idea is, I mean, when I used to work in uh, Jessup's a long, long time ago, people would come into the shop and say, I want to develop a film, what do I need? And then you'd have to put a, put a kit together and go, you need this, you need that. And people would go, oh, okay. And then you've got to get all that together and then bring it through the till. Now you can just come in to say Camera Centre Cardiff and say what do I need and they can go here you go here's a box yeah. buy some film off you go. But we've tailored it for different needs so if you want one with the chemistry that's available. If you don't need the chemistry you can buy the kit without the chemistry. You can buy a, a printing kit as well so with a, a micro focus finder. You can buy a kit with paper in. Um, so there's also different types of kits to buy depending on your, your pocket and what you actually need and want to do in, you know, for your photo. And, and you know what it's a great gift for somebody as well it's a great gift for a, a young keen photographer yeah. uh, you know buying a complete kit like this as well you know which I, which I, think, I think is really cool. It is all bringing it back man it's been so long since I've held a spiral <laughs> I'm wondering I'm eyeing up the so, film now I'm wondering if I can still on, do it. You, <laughs> so you do know it. you want to. Yeah well I'll tell you what we should do is on, we should record it on, yeah. um, on, on phone. Right, so, okay it. well we'll have a go we'll, we'll have so, there, so, so, so we'll have a go at that. So Miles, thank you very much, and we'll put a link out to TWP, and so if anyone wants to buy any uh, darkroom equipment and processing, get in touch with these guys, it'd be great. Cheers. I am with Peter Morgan from Tech for Togs. Uh, do you prefer Peter or Pete? Just Pete, I think, yeah. Just, just Pete? Yeah. Okay, is it Peter when you're in trouble? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> awesome stuff, sorry. Um, so, um, yes, um, it's kind of random because we, me and Cam were just walking around your table and you're with Jeff Brown, who's been on our podcast, so we know Jeff, and, and we just got chatting about sort of Tech for Togs. Um, so what is Tech for Togs? So Tech for Togs is a technical support company for creatives and photographers, which was set up really during the pandemic. Uh, I'm a photographer myself, I have been for the last 15 years, and during the pandemic we really couldn't photograph anybody. Uh, I was stuck in the house. I'd previously owned a, uh, I'd previously owned a tech company uh, for about seven years, and we'd done everything from backup, disaster recovery, and I'm a Mac engineer, and just wait for them. That's them delivering my lunch, that is. Oh, yeah, lunch looks good, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so really, during the pandemic, there was a lot of time on my hands, and I found that a lot of photographers were coming to me with problems that they were getting with missing files, corrupt cards, uh, backups not working as they should, and it really allowed me the time to be able to put something together to be able to help people. Um, you know... Creatives should have technology empower them rather than hinder them. And 
most photographers have had some problem or another. When we spoke just now about card failure and you nodded your head, I've heard it's happened to me as well, you know? And um, it's a genuine concern, especially if you're a commercial photographer. Yeah, I mean, it's something that worries a lot of people. I mean, I think the technology with cameras as well. I mean, my first DSLR just had one card slot, and now I would never buy a DSLR or a mirrorless with one card slot. You've always got that extra backup in there, so it's mirroring what you're taking. So you've got that little bit of a fail-safe. And then it then goes on to drives and, and how you're storing things at home. There's cloud systems. I mean, I'm, as I said on the podcast before, I'm quite basic. I have literally two drives. One's always on. Off the internet one's on the computer when it comes to backup I turn the internet off transfer it off take the drive off and then put the internet back on and I've just got one drive so then that that backup drive shouldn't have anything going wrong with it but it's never 100% so um, I find there's a lot of other stuff there which just bamboos me a little bit I'm not gonna lie um, but that's the sort it's great that we got people like yourself that can sort of you know tell people how to do it and break it down and and I guess different systems will work for different photographers, I guess. That's absolutely right. And if you're a travel photographer, you're going to work in one specific way. If you're a wedding photographer, you're going to work in a different way. You know, there's no one solution that's going to suit everybody. And I think the main problem, the reason why technology is not embraced as much as it could be for creatives and photographers is there's a different side of the brain that is used for the creative element than there is to people perhaps who are more mathematical um, and you know having this stuff explained so that you can understand it uh, everybody has the capacity because uh, the capacity to be able to understand uh, the, the, how their system works and to be able to maintain it and really my job if I've done it correctly is to figure out what you're missing or what is needed uh, break it down, show you why it's going to work a certain way and show you how to maintain it as well. So that it's, it's like being a doctor. You hope you'll never have to see me and once we've kind of fixed you up, you hope you never have to see me again. But that's the idea really, isn't it? Yeah, that's definitely right. And of course, no offence with that either. You know, so, <laughs> um, no, that's brilliant because, um, you know, like a lot of creatives, I'm one of the kind of guys, okay, I just want it set up, work, and then I just want to go be creative. I don't want to have to worry about this stuff. I just want it to work. And I think that's where people like yourself come in because we need that support. We don't like it, but we have to use it. That's the way it's gone. We don't use film anymore. It's all computers, really. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what, though, Peter. I would like to get you on, um, have a proper have a proper interview and really go through some of the nitties with this because I think um, I reckon our, our, um, our listeners would be really interested. I'd be absolutely up for that, um, and it might be an idea that your listeners want to throw their throw their questions at you, and I'll do my best to try and answer everything that's thrown at me. Um, I've been doing IT since I was 16, and I'll be I'll be 50 next year. Oh, don't worry, you don't have to. <laughs> you don't look a day over 30, mate. So it's all right. <laughs> Flattery will get you everywhere. Thank you. No worries, no worries. Well, yes, guys, we will definitely get uh, Pete on on a on a. Uh, yeah, on, on a proper interview um, in, in the bar. Um, so if you do have any questions, just uh, you know, think about them, keep them to one side, email them into us, and um, and yeah, we'll, we'll put them, we'll put them to Pete. Thank you very much, Pete. Thanks very much for talking to me today. No worries. 
Okay, we've stopped at the Vanguard stand, and Vanguard specialise in camera bags, and we all love a camera bag. Uh, they also have tripods, but we'll talk about that in a moment. But um, I'm chatting tripods with... as well, by the way. They yeah. specialise in quite a few things, <laughs> by the looks of it. But, but we are talking about bags. But I'm chatting with Ian here. Hi, Ian. Thank you for stop, uh, letting us have a chat with you. Hi there. Okay, so tell us about camera bags. Well, everyone needs a camera bag and a good camera bag as well. So first of all, I mean, it's very much personal choice and what you need it for. But what are the different types of bags? Which categories can you categorise the different types of bags? I think you can keep it quite simple. There's, there's three key types of bags. They're shoulder bags, which if you're doing shorter distances and have a smaller kit, they're great. You sling them over your shoulder and you go. There's slings, which will go over your shoulder and sort of slide around. Or there's backpacks with the two straps on the side, which are probably the most comfortable for heavier kits and longer distances. Um, if you're looking for something which is big and bulky, it's really quite difficult to say what's right for you because everybody likes something different. Uh, everybody also goes very much on appearance first. A bag is something that you carry with you every day. You want it to match what you look like, what you're, what, what you're trying to exude to everybody around you. So do you want something which is outdoorsy and macho and tough and strong? Or do you want something which is really quite stylish and modern looking? Do you want something that's retro? It's such a difficult thing to say to somebody, that's the bag for you. It is, and you're right, and, and the, they, they have become more of a, a, a style item, haven't they? I've noticed that in, in sort of recent years, um, yeah, especially the, the backpacks and the ones that you sling over your shoulder as well, and there's the small pouch options as well, and they've become like the camera straps, you know, they, they've almost become part of your brand, as you said. Um, and when it comes to material of a good camera bag, all the bags that you've got here, are they made from pretty much the same material or do they really vary? They're pretty much the same material. It's all nylon based. What you get is different styles of nylon, so there's different finishing, so you can get the textured finish or you can get smooth finish. Um, you also get uh, different strengths and reliability, so the higher the number in Cordura, 840D is our pro trekking backpack, that's highly weather resistant, it's pretty much waterproof in a lot of our materials. The problem is we can't say our bags are waterproof, or no, not many can, because every seam is a point of weakness. Really, really heavy rain, what will happen is water can seep through. That's why most bags have a rain cover. You can make a bag waterproof, but it's relatively expensive because every seam has to be double taped. And that adds a lot of cost that most people don't really want to pay when you can simply put a rain cover on for those two times in a year you go out in the rain deliberately. Yeah, that's right. So if someone came to you, let's just say we're talking about a wedding photographer, for example, and obviously it depends on how much gear he or she has. Um, and this says, I've got two camera bodies, a couple of lenses, I need a, I need a camera bag that's easy to carry around at weddings. What sort of thing would you advise? We get a lot of professional photographers to do stuff like that. What we tend to find actually is a lot of them go for trolleys, the roller cases. So you have wheels. So you're carrying a lot of gear. You have that for the bulk of your kit. So we've got things like the Ultafly 62T. That's the size of a suitcase. You can effectively fit a studio in there. And you can take that around with you. Um, it's got a double handle. So again, it's a nice, sturdy piece of kit. We've also got some slightly smaller ones as well. So it depends how much kit that wedding photographer has. What we also tend to find is they've got a second bag. And the second bag is something like a shoulder bag. And that's what they decant the stuff they really need there and then into. 
but they use the case to make sure they've got everything so they don't miss a shot or a or, or a view when they're doing that shot because they're spending you know it's a once in a lifetime opportunity hopefully for most people they really, they really don't want to compromise in the photos they're taking. Yeah, and also, I mean, I was just looking at one of the uh, bags with with the wheels on, which is which which. As people know that every time I come to a trade show, I end up buying a bag, and I'm very tempted to buy this particular bag. And it's got wheels on it, and I, I do have that thing where I bought a, a bag recently, which is a backpack, but I've got my backpack with my main camera and the things that I need for a shoot, but then I've also got a second backpack, which is my laptop and all my other bits, my everyday uh, bag. So there's a lot of time when I'm on a shoot, and I've got, I'm actually carrying two backpacks with me. And this is where something, one with wheels, sort of does make does make a lot of sense um, pockets and easy access to you know when, when looking for a bag the thing I'm looking for a lot of time is just easy access and security as well yeah. you know something that isn't flimsy where zips are tight zips are secure that's all that's all important as well well this one I'm looking at here it looks really really solid to be honest with you it's a bit like the one I've got just a little smaller and mine doesn't have wheels so that's always a good thing um, with Vanguard, I mean, obviously there's many bags around, aren't there? So what, what would you say is the, the, the best thing about the Vanguard over other bags? Um, I think Vanguard has been a family-owned business since 1986. So we're still owned by the same family. It's very rare in this time. we also one of the few brands that design, manufacture and sell our own products. And what that allows us to do is we've got a very direct input into the design process. So what we're able to do, we've got around about 60 ambassadors in the UK, we've got about 30 in, in, in the US, a whole load in Spain, Germany, Japan as well. So what we do is we're constantly talking to the guys, getting their feedback about our bags, and then we're feeding back into the design team. On top of that, we do a number of shows. So for example, the photography show we've been at every year, it's been on for the last 10 years or so. And again, it's great to speak to people, like we were doing at the Wales and West show as well, where you actually get unfiltered feedback from people about what they're looking for. So, for example, we had one person who was looking for a backpack that could take two bottles on either side, and that was a deal breaker for them. Mm. But it's different things for different people. And it just allows us to get a feel of what the trends are and what things are looking for. It also, when we're explaining products to their customers, it allows us to sort of work out what are the important features they're looking for because you can see some things that just make their eyes light up when they see it. And it's not necessarily the big things. Sometimes it's really simple things like, for example, most of our backpacks and bags have uh, SD card holders, two SD card holders. One which has got a red tag to show it's used SD cards, one's got a green tag to show it's unused. Yeah, that, so you don't have the, the, the worry about is this SD card used or unused. And it's such a little thing, but what a lot of people take that to show is just how much thought's gone into the bag that you look at a detail like that. And it can be something quite strange and quite innocuous that, that just gives them that, that click, that instant hit. Yeah, yeah because I, I have that dilemma all the time. I mean, you know, we, we're shooting photography and video and the team give me all their cards and I'm lost with the card sometimes thinking, <laughs> what the hell was this card? Was this yeah. one used? Which one's this? And, and when you're doing it in the moment, Okay, it's very easy to get sidetracked and lost. You think, oh, I don't know what's what. So a little thing like that, you know, does make a big, you know, it's, it's a big thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was looking at that. I thought that was a really nice feature of the bag, actually, because, like you say, you've got to be in the moment. It's got to be quick. And, um, yeah, I can see that being a real benefit um, in, in your bag. Absolutely. I've not seen it before either. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say was a, a good camera bag is important. You know, you, you go and spend a lot of money on a camera, 
uh, and if you've not got a bag that supports it properly, vibration and people, yeah, I get people are looking for deals and, you know, but a bag is just as as important as having a really good solid tripod that we spoke about earlier on. And tripods, I know you guys do tripods as well, but but about the bags is that, you know, if you go and spend £2,000 on a camera, you need a bag to justify that and to protect that as well. So that's important as well. And it's probably not just one bag. The reality is there's very few photographers who meet at things like the Photography Show and the Wales and West Show um, who have just one bag because you have different bags for different situations, you know, and, and I guess the minimum I'd say people have is probably about three bags. Uh, so what you tend to have is you have a shoulder bag you start off with, which is a small one when you get your first camera. You then get another lens and you realize it's not quite right. You then get another lens and you need another bag. Do you go for a shoulder pad backpack? You get to a point where actually you go for, you've got too much kit to go in a shoulder bag because it's not good to have a shoulder bag overladen because you're, it will pull you over and over an extended period, it'll, you'll, it'll be uncomfortable. Do the sore neck, sore back, and it'll, it just tires you out because your body's constantly contemplating. So what you do is you tend to go to a, a backpack. So then what backpack do you go for? Do you go for one which is all camera kit or one which is day pack? The thing is, everybody's got a different occasion for a bag and a different bag for a different occasion. Um, and I know from shows a number of gentlemen have told me that they'll probably divorce if they go back with another bag and then come back and buy another bag. Um, <laughs> it's amazing. And it, it's, it's lovely to see because there's no perfect bag. Everybody's constantly changing their gear and adapting and wanting different things for different th- reasons. Good stuff. Right, Ian, thank you very much. We're going to put links out um, yeah. uh, to Vanguard. And, uh, yeah, make sure, guys, you all get a decent camera bag. And Vanguard is certainly uh, a good option. Yeah. Right, everyone, I'm with Clear, um, and it's day two of the uh, the Wales and West Photography Show. How's it been? Very, very good. Very successful. Very busy, though. Very, very busy. Very yeah. tiring. You were telling us, uh, telling us about yesterday. It was almost like stampede status. Uh, yeah, I mean, we watched that door open. We had the mayor uh, cut the ribbon to announce it opening. The door opened up, and they just swarmed in like a sea of people. It was, uh, it was very overwhelming and very exciting, so very good. Yeah, I mean, he can't... I mean, I was saying to you, it's, it's surprising, because it was a Thursday day when you opened it's yeah. kind of a random day for there to be like that busy I know I, I think a lot of people are just very excited about all the deals and things like that and being able to get their hands on these cameras I mean this is the first show we had Nikon in as well so they've probably been anxious to get the Z8 in their hands at least try that out as well um, but yeah very very overwhelming but very exciting very positive as well excellent I mean we have enjoyed it there's a lot of, I like the fact that you got the models around as well um, we are going to check out the round table in a minute as well because I think that's a really nice format um, yeah I mean you guys must be so pleased oh, we're over the moon we're over the moon you know it's bigger than last year so, you know, we're constantly improving, getting more and more, uh, you know, uh, brands in and things like that as well. Just being able to reach out to different people as well to get them here as well. So we're more than overwhelmed. Uh, very happy with the return as well. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, you, you know, you, you've got your store here and everything's selling. So would you say there's a, a camera that's been hot at the show? Do you know what? Someone asked me this earlier. And surprisingly, it's actually done very well with all the brands. So mm-hmm. Sony have gone up very well. Canon have done very well. Mm-hmm. Fujifilm, Nikon, they've all done surprisingly well, actually, in terms of it's a very positive response from all of them. So all in all, we're actually overly very, very happy with how it's all turned out, really. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because, I mean, as you said, Nikon were here, which is great. Canon, Sony, you know, all the, brand, the big brands are here aren't they which is great so obviously this is this is in well so i'm guessing it, it has, did, where, have there been shows in wales before of this size 
Never. No, this is the first one that's ever really been done of this sort of scale. And this, yeah, it's, it's never really been done before. And so, you know, to have us create something very similar to this, you know, obviously you've got the Birmingham show. Uh, so for us to at least create something similar to that or somewhat close to that, um, is a lot of positive feedback from the customers, you know, saying that this is something that's definitely needed. A couple of them suggesting that we should push it up north as well, uh, you know, just to reach those that can't make it down to us and things like that as well. So hopefully keep that in discussion and see how that progresses, you know. If there's more positive feedback for it, then certainly we'll have a look at it. Yeah, no, well, this has been good, actually. And uh, I just wanted to give you guys a shout-out again, sort of Camera Centre UK, because um, I bought from you guys, met you guys at the show now two or three years ago, yeah. always been looked after, been looked after today. So yeah. if, if you guys are looking for any, any camera gear, then uh, I think this should be your first, you know, uh, look up, and uh, they'll certainly look after you. Yeah, Okay. Absolutely. Thanks, Lee. Appreciate that. Okay. Thank you very much again. All right, thank you, gents. Hi right, guys, I've stopped to chat with Charlie at Click Live, and Charlie is going to tell us of a, of a very exciting and brand new photography show that's going to take place in the UK next year. Charlie, thank you for stopping to have a chat. Can you tell us about this, uh, this new show, which sounds, from what we've heard today, it sounds incredibly exciting. Well, bold, and we are not afraid to be big. So if you imagine a completely interactive experience for photographers of all levels, of all genres of photography, centered around 15 studios built on the show floor. Education from the world's best educators, Lindsay Adler, Kelly Brown, Charlotte Ganache, Martina Weinfeld, Frank Dorhoff, the list goes on, Chris Knight, from all over the world, literally around the world, coming to one place, which is Coventry next year. Classes indoors and outdoors, photo walks set in 200 acres of ancient woodlands, which unfortunately at other shows in the UK you end up on Car Park North 4 if you want to have a photo, uh, photo walk. Can't think who you're talking about there. Well, we won't go into it. Uh, it is the exhibitor's exhibition. I've exhibited in 15 countries our Click Backdrops brand. We do 25 shows a year. We've taken all of the things we love from all of the exhibitions around the world added them into Click Live, and all the things we don't love so much, you won't see at Click Live. Uh, but also a social element. We're trying to build a community for photographers. Click Live is our year one event, but we've actually booked this venue for three years, and it will end up as Click Fest. Now, Click Fest, and I will go on 20 seconds longer for you. I told you, you're not going to get me for three minutes. Imagine Glastonbury and Fotokina, God rest his soul, combined and photo fest will be a four-day event in stonely park 2026 where 10 to 15,000 photographers can party can learn can shop with the world's biggest brands in a festival environment to bring in the new generation of photographers into the industry it sounds amazing and what i really like about it is it just it seems to be very education focused 100 percent. you know the, the the day of a trade show only when you've got amazon to me, is a thing of the past. Photokin has proven that. It's not here anymore. My experience of the US market, where I go to some incredible shows out there, like Texas School, Shutterfest, ClickCon, Imaging USA, there's a huge social element, but it is still focused all about the education. And one of the things about Click Live is the education doesn't compete with the expo hours all day long. So our British photographers are gonna to have to wake up a bit earlier as education starts at 11. They're gonna to have to stay up a bit later because it then goes on 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. And we're also introducing a couple of evening with events. So canapes, drink reception, 300 limited tickets to see Lindsay Adler, Kelly Brown in a social environment rather than just a classroom where they normally are 
that's where you see them. Mm. Uh, so yeah, social, shop, educate, not afraid to be big or bold, and that's what Click Live is all about. Yeah, and with that education, I mean, with with with, with the that classes, should we call them, or sessions that you're going to be running, yeah. are they going to be aimed? For, for a, across a, for a broad section of people, from real beginners to very experienced people? Absolutely, for, for literally from everybody. So people who are, and this is the other thing, when you get, say you're a studio owner in the UK doing three, four hundred thousand pound turnover, you also get to the point, you've got nothing to learn. So we have to bring people even above them. And they will learn from the likes of Lindsay Adler, Kelly Brown. But from the more beginners, we also have to people that can speak their language as well. So from the photo walk, some of the classes are hands-on, some are demo, some are lecture style. But everything from editing to business to marketing. We've even got one educator, and a lot of our speakers have never spoken before. We've got a duo coming over from Texas who built their studio business from zero to half a million in one year during COVID. <laughs> so they're teaching people how to do it and how that it is purely graft and determination with skill that will get them there. And that's a course that I'm really interested in as well. But unfortunately, I'll probably be on the show floor for that one. Yeah, no, it sounds fascinating. And just going back to that whole thing about you were saying it's about graft. And I think that's the biggest thing. I think, you know, people can start here by, it sounds to me like people can come to attend, attend the event, learn something, work at it, get educated and really push themselves but there's all of that marketing stuff going on as well and learning and soaking up that knowledge to be able to really become successful within the Absolutely. industry. Absolutely and funnily enough it's incestuous as well because my own business Click started 29 years ago when I was a lot younger and less grey and I came up with the idea of marketing photographic studios and we've generated 300 million pounds for our members. Mm. Ten years ago, there was a demand for backdrops. We invented Clipbox backdrops. We're now a leading manufacturer of backdrops. So now to have the expo to tie all that together, where we're, our backdrops are everywhere, our marketing is helping fill Click Live, and then we've got the business generation as well, tie in the likes of our chief development officer, Gary Hill, and his network of education. And the other nice thing we've also got is live print judging portfolio appraisals by the BIPP, the Guild, the Societies for Photographers. So the support we've had, bear in mind we are the new kid on the block and we've got no content from the last year's show to promote Click Live. So we're even using AI uh, to help us with these things and that is scarily good. But the support we've had of selling a third of the expo space already before we've even launched from the biggest brands in the industry like Fujifilm and Loxley and Digital and Raffi, etc has literally blown me away and it's made me very humble actually because what it's shown me is the trade want a new type of expo. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's interesting you said about AI as well because the industry is going to be it's going that way and we need to embrace that as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how you incorporate that. I just want to finish off on one thing. Mark, you and I spoke recently, didn't we, on the pod about the number of photography businesses that start and fail within the first, was it three years? I can't remember. What it, it was, was something was like that. I think it was like the first three years or something like that. It's a massive percentage. Yeah. I can't remember what it was. Something like 80%, but 80%, I could be wrong there. Yeah, 80% of photography businesses fail in the first three years. It was a stat that came out and we were talking about it a few on a recent episode so something like this is all about going there to learn and soak it up and get all of that knowledge and that will only stand you sort of well won't it networking, networking as well I don't know when this goes out but if people want to get in quick click liveexpo.co.uk use code live50 
for 50% off all admission. Mate. Great, we're going to put that link out. Put that link out. Charlie, thank you very much. Okay, right. So, thank you to all of the people that we um, spoke to. Took the time to took the time out to speak to us, Mark. I, I really enjoyed the show. And do you know what, Mark? I'm going to start with it straight away. That tip from the camera cleaning guy. I thought that was pretty cool. What a tip! What a tip! <laughs> Loved it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely going to get some tape and put it on the back of all my uh, rear <laughs> lens caps. I just think it was a great idea. That's right. Yeah, I really liked actually the stuff that you were saying because he was. Um, so patiently sitting there taking cameras apart and cleaning them and everything and and it was really good that he actually said look it's fine to clean your own camera sensors you don't have to take them to somebody else you know if you're careful with it and you follow yeah. the instructions do that because a lot of people have asked me over the years and i've said no don't never touch it just go and get it done professionally and whatever i don't think i would do it um however you know, uh, if you feel confident enough to and you follow the instructions carefully, then, you know, uh, as, yeah, as, as a professional said, you know, it was, it was really good. Yeah. Um, I, I also <laughs> nearly went for that camera bag. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, you walked away without it. Like, it's, it's quite well done. Well done. I did. Yeah, I yeah. thank you. Yeah, I was trying to be <laughs> quite realistic. Um, but again, those people that we chatted to, we uh, I'm hoping that everyone, all of the listeners found that already useful because yeah. because the, the tripod stuff as well, you know, uh, you know, people will go and buy a tripod without giving it any thought and they'll go and buy the cheapest tripod that they can without thinking about the size of the camera that they've got and the lens that they're going to have on there as well. And yeah. the camera and the tripod basically is is, is that you've bought is just is useless you know it's of no use because you know you press the shutter button and you see the camera spring up and down you know mm. because the, because the tripod is just too it's not substantial enough for for your camera um you know and i did enjoy uh sorry just moving on i mean you're absolutely right with the tripods but uh, one of the guys i really enjoyed talking to the patterson chap as well um i just thought uh having to go with the spiral and uh it's been ages since i've done that I know that's right. Yeah, and I've I mean, just learned you... I've been doing it the wrong way round. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, do you know? I mean, I, I did that for days, uh, yeah. a, a day for a day after day for many many years, you know. And uh, it 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 feels good to holding those spirals, bringing them back in your hand and everything. However, yeah. I would never, I would never miss the smell of fix on your hands no no right? no you no know? not at all. Not at all. <laughs> so yeah, so certainly didn't certainly didn't miss that, but talking to these guys you know at, at at the show i thought it was everyone just seemed really enthusiastic with the show uh it was it was great having to sort of chatting and getting some some of the information that they were going through and it was the opportunity to learn you know talking to uh you know bumping into jeff brown a photographer mentor yeah took time out to to tell us about you know he's now president of the bipp and you know we'll be getting him on the show and and some of the stuff that i spoke to him outside of the interview as well it's just i just it was like a sponge soaking up loads of information yes absolutely and it was good good to chat uh, bump into his friend as well because um you know as we spoke to peter morgan from tech for togs and and it was only you know they they were sat together weren't they him and jeff so Mm. um and it was great to have a chat and i definitely want to get uh peter on um uh, on the show properly because he i think he's got a lot of interesting things to say about how to look after your 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 files and you know just backing things up and all that kind of stuff so i think that'll be useful yeah and you know as i said um you know they were just sitting there having a coffee and we bumped into them mm. and you know i was speaking to jeff for about half an hour and so many different things were you know uh were coming up in conversation about the industry and and so when if 
if you get the opportunity to go to one of these photography shows, whether you're a, a professional, whether you're a, a keen hobbyist, a real beginner or a student, you know, these things are a real education. You know, mm. it's not just it's not just looking at the uh, uh, all the gear and everything that's for sale and going and finding a new camera bag or something. Although it's, it's a great place to do it because, as it, we said, there's some really good deals on. Yeah, that's right. It's a great place to go and see all that. But but it's not just about that because you can go to a show and it's up to you what you want to get out of that show. Mm. They had some great talks going on. Yeah, and I thought that was yeah, and I thought that was really cool. Um, some really good speakers, and I like the way that they paced uh, or all the topics that they had because it ranged mm. from people that were real beginners and people wanting to start out a business and, and getting work and how do you start to people that were established in the business uh, and what they do as well. And again, you know, if you sit down and and get involved in these talks. You know, when when the camera center puts these these talks on, they, they're there for a reason, and they and, yeah. and 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 networking. People are really happy to pass on information and learn from others as well. So when we were mm. Mark, you know talking to these guys in between the, all the the short sort of soundbite interviews that we did, we spoke to a number of other people, and you know, and it sparks something, doesn't it? It's that yeah. thing about that you know, and you and you walk away. Whenever I go to one of these trade shows, my head comes away full of ideas. But there's also, I mean, one of the thing that I would say, there's a lot of experts there in their field. And and what I liked about the show, actually, you know, it's just the, the variety. Because it wasn't, you know, it's not the, 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 the same size as, you know, some of the other ones that we've been to. I mean, you know, the photography and the video show is a massive one. And this one was, uh, you know, nowhere near that size. But what I liked about it is there was a big variety of, it wasn't like everyone selling the same stuff um mm. you know you had a variety of of different things there um which i thought was really cool i also like the fact that they had the models there i thought that was a good idea because they were just wandering around and allowing photographers to you know take photographs here there and you know which i thought was really cool so i like the interactive style of the show i thought it was you know re really well thought out generally uh, there was lots there without it being overwhelming um and and yeah i think it was uh, it, it could be, you know, the way that that shows are going and um, really, really interesting talk with um, with Charlie from Click. So Click Live, that's coming about, which, um, yeah, I'm quite excited about that. How about you? Yeah, I mean, from what he was telling us and uh, about the this new photography show for for everyone, for, for yeah. professionals trainers educators students hobbyists beginners and it you know for, from the sounds of it that it's going to be a big event that's planned to grow over a three-year period and and it just sounds as if they want to do something a little bit different and they want people to be involved that much more as well um it it, it sounds to me like it it wants to be a very inclusive event and that everybody is sort of made to feel welcome and that mm. there is there seems to be this enthusiasm from 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 those guys you know that they that they want the exhibitors to actually you know put back and um and what i also liked about it was that it it wants to be a real educational event you know it's not mm. just going to it's not just going to you know a show where it's just about equipment on sale they want to have lots of different talks they want to have lots of different education opportunities and yeah. again it always comes yeah. down you know with us just going on for, uh, you know a few days ago on friday mark to the to the wales show 
the amount of things that I learned, new things that I learned mm. and I brought away with me. I bought a couple of things from there and I'm going to review those, you know, we're going to review those products, you know, mm. and I learned something new. I was talking to the, uh, to the guys at uh, Saramonic there about audio mics. Yeah. And one of the guys there, I didn't get his name, unfortunately. I was there chatting to him for about 15 minutes and he explained and he explained what I wanted explaining. Well, it's going I... back to what I was saying about experts being there. You know mm. what I mean? They're experts in their field. And if you want to learn something, because these days, you know, it, I mean, I used to work for Jessup's and, uh, you know, there, there, there were some good people who worked there who really knew their stuff. Um, I, I felt by the end of it, I was one of them. But, um, you know, you don't get that these days so much when you're when you're you know we always buy online or buy through amazon mm. and you don't get that expert knowledge uh that you do get at these shows uh i mean maybe some stores like wex or camera or london camera exchange and even the camera mm. center uk they're all you know they're, they're really knowledgeable about about the stuff they've got but you've got a, a someone who's there like you said with the with the with the audio mics um you know he really knew what he was talking about um you know the 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 the, the all, all, all these people the guys at vanguard you know they they really knew what they were talking about as well um yeah you know it it, it was one of those things that just that they just knew they just knew what they were doing and there was also an enthusiasm behind it as well which was kind of infectious so you know it wasn't just someone just trying to sell you something it was someone who actually believed in their product as well and can tell you why this product was so good and these are the reasons why um and it was all good think... quality products there as well i felt um hmm. but but yeah just going back to the, the the click live um i got the impression they're trying to do something new hmm. um you know like you were saying it's not just about gear or anything like that they i mean they, they, they've got like a three-year plan by what he was saying um you know you, you i think they were going to do the first one and then they're going to upgrade it for the second one. And then the third one, they've got this festival idea, haven't they? Which is something yeah. that they've seen in the States. Um, yeah. Because obviously they they do click uh, back backdrops, don't they? Click props backdrops. That's where they started. And, uh, um, you know, they, they've been in the States and they've seen how they do it over there, which is different to here. And they want to create that. And, um, you know, I know the venue. They've, they've, rent, they've booked out Stony Park just outside Cov, uh, Coventry. It's, it's actually near Levington, I think. But... Um, but yeah, it's a great venue and it's a different venue uh, to the NEC or, or the, where we were last Friday. Um, it's a very different type of venue. You get a lot of um, farming expos there and, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, very different. Um, and I think, yeah, the festival idea, I, I'm just quite excited about it because it's something very, very different. Yeah, it's it's good to it's good to know that there's people out there that are thinking different things mm. and different ideas and different ways of getting people involved and interested because the photography industry is growing. You know, yeah. uh, you know there was a there was a period some time ago we thought, oh, you know, is photography ever going to be needed because the way things were going digitally and all of that? But it's just grown, it's boomed. Mm. You know, you know, and content creators. Yes, we you know, we you know we we was that phrase content creators, but it's a serious it's a serious role now. Yeah. Um, you know, the whole video content and people are getting more and more creative there's more and more opportunities there and these guys i think want to i think that's what these guys want to do i think they want to show people what's out there and they want to give people these opportunities yeah. as well to do that so and but yeah you know just going there and meeting these guys that are going to be organizing it was great mm. for us and, and 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 getting in touch with these guys and you know looking forward to you know hopefully working with these guys closely now as the sh as, yeah. as the shows as as the as the as the event 
you know gets organized and everything so that's something that we're definitely going to be looking forward to so but also i just want to go back to the actual event that we were at the wales and west show um you know if you didn't go this time go go next year because you know it's it's not the sort of show where you're going to be you know walking around for hours um you know you're not going to feel exhausted at the end of it but you are going to have uh, you, you you have spoken to lots of really cool people the event is really well organized um i thought um you know like i said the variety of different stands and people to meet there was really really good um bring your camera because you know i'm sure they'll do uh, these things with the models again um and uh yeah really really good show um so well done to the guys at camera center uk because i thought it was a really good show um and looking forward to seeing it again next year basically yeah and i and i wanted to also sort of just uh underline that as well because i've always said from when i first met the guys at the camera center at a trade show probably about three years ago um when i bought uh, uh you know um uh, the r6 and a few other bits and i mean the, i mean their service was 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 yeah. top notch it was it was great and ever since then we've had really good sort of relationships with them they really look after us and they're really those guys are really enthusiastic 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 as well i think yeah. as as a tray as sorry as a retailer i think a lot of retailers could take a, a you know a, a lot of lessons from the way these guys uh, work mm. so well done yeah brilliant okay that's it for another show please do like subscribe on all our channels we're on spotify we're on youtube we've also got a facebook page instagram please do find us and like us give us that five star review um and any comments you want to do please comment on the episode and and email us we're, we're always welcome you're always welcome so yeah um thanks for listening to us uh, and we will uh, we'll speak to you on the next one bye for now cheers <laughs>